Hello. Well, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Father Jonathan. How are we doing? Good, good. Happy Lent. Oh, here we are. Lent, Lent, Lent. We are. Oh, I'm so glad. Lent is a very comfortable place for me to be. Do you think it's called Lent because of all the lentils that people eat? Is that a thing? Do you eat lentils during Lent? (laughs) I hate lentils, to be honest. I never eat them. Mm. You know, that might be a good penance for you this Lent. (laughs) I don't think so. That would be horrible. (laughs) This is where you say one does not live on lentils alone. (laughs) Oh, no, that's in the gospel. Yeah, yeah, and we'll get to that. Um, So as you probably uh, remember, we did not record last week. Mm. I I was traveling uh, abroad, and so Mm -hmm. it, it kind of all fell apart. And I gotta we don't tell really you, plan for this, so. right? It just—it's sort of a—it's sort of a thing that either happens or does not. Uh, and I gotta tell you, I really felt the difference today preparing for my homily for the last Sunday of ordinary time. Oh yeah, not having a, a little prep. Oh my gosh, I was sitting there listening to the readings. <laughs> yeah, I mean, reading the readings, listening to them, <clears throat> reading commentaries, listening to Bishop Aaron, and I was like, I have no idea where to go with this. You know. Yeah. And this is an important process. Right, right. And it's not, it's like, I'm very extroverted. And so for me to talk it out is helpful. So this has been a very helpful conversation generally. But it just so happens that the readings today also weren't, they just weren't easy to grasp onto for me. So like, it was, you know, the splinter in one's eye and the Mm -hmm. beam in another's. And it's like, okay, it's just kind of obvious, you know, like, it's just kind of like, we get it. You know, there's not, I think, yeah. I mean, I think, how do I say this delicately? I think most homilies today were political, one way or the other. Oh, really? Oh, about Ukraine? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I did not even think to preach about that. Well, so that's... No, that's my tendency as well. My inclination is to not... Like, people get enough of that from Twitter and from the news. Yeah, It's like, let's let's preach the good news. Let's... And so that's... Sure, I mean, again, I say this with a bit of hesitancy, but like, I do, I do think that we do a disservice when we only preach, um, current events mm-hmm. and yeah. say like, Jesus doesn't want you to hate your neighbor. Well, duh. Like, <laughs> okay, let's, you know, let's, let's get into the, you know, into the thick of it and say, well, what does that actually mean? Like, that's, right. that's something that I can get behind rather than just kind of spouting off, you know, whatever headline we saw that morning happened to be. Sure. Sure. I got to tell you, I'm not sure I've ever preached a current event. Uh, <laughs> it might it, it might just be because I've only been ordained for a couple of years, but I haven't found anything like so dramatic that I would have to spend time in the homily yeah. uh, speaking about. I think that you, you when you were uh, in Denver, did preach on uh, the George Floyd stuff. I and... did. Well, so that was Pentecost Sunday. And so I felt like I, I mean... Yeah, I think that I did a pretty good job of incorporating that into what the Spirit is asking of us. Right. Also, right. also, like that was a week before. Is that right? No, that can't be right. A anyway, week before what? Uh, like COVID was all. So that wasn't on Pentecost Sunday. George Floyd happened way before that. Uh, sure, sure. But it was in the air, and it was also like you were fitting in, fitting it into the theme of Pentecost. Like it yeah. was. It was there. Yeah. Something like that. Something like that. It wasn't so just, it, yeah. A random, like, you know, talking point. You know, let's talk it about politics. Been. It must have been. No, it was Pentecost. I got to huh. tell you, so today I did not preach on current events, but I did end up preaching on, I, I ended up finding a good angle, just so you know. So I, 
I I've realized that it was Luke's gospel that we were working with, sixth chapter. That's what we've been reading for a couple of weeks. And it was a sermon on the plain. So it was the Beatitudes. Then it was a love your enemy. And then this week was the last one, which was the plank in your brother's eye or the splinter in your eye or whatever. And my my in for these for these readings today was actually the last few verses of Luke chapter six, which are not in the reading that we had for today, but they were right after. And I said, that's the like, that's the interpretive key for the entire Sermon on the Plain, which was those who heard his word and acted on it are like those who build their house on rock. Mm. And mm-hmm. I said, what Jesus has told us is firm foundation is what the Beatitudes are about, loving your enemy is about, and the empathy that comes with recognizing the beam in your own eye. Like, that's firm foundation. And so I kind of took that as an opportunity to exhort people to think about what they're going to do for Lent. Like, instead of just giving up coffee, like, how about you think about where <laughs> your foundation is cracked, you know, and and how the Lord might be inviting you to yeah. to solidify your foundations. Yeah, for sure. You know, this is the the advice that I often give. I don't know how many times I've mentioned this already on uh, on the show, but like in spiritual conversation or even in confession, like you know, I, I have the people consider their sins and kind of what you're getting at, right? Like, look at where the cracks are in the foundation, and then pretend you know you're a football player watching the video of your game afterwards or whatever sport doesn't matter. It's like you watch that, not so that you can see how great you are, but to see where you messed up and see where you need to go back into the gym and to work. Right. So like, that's, I mean, that's the, that's the examine prayer, right? So that, yeah, I I love that. I think that's a great way to prepare for something like Lent Yeah. where it's not like, it's not just let me, let me punish myself or let me, let me show others how, how penitential I am. But like, okay, where is, where are those cracks? Where's my game the weakest? So that I can treat Lent like, uh, you know, time in the gym where I can strengthen my spiritual body. Yeah. Hey, you know, uh, I like that image. And actually, it's not an image that we have in the readings for the first Sunday of Lent. But I think I think there is something to be said about that imagery of like going to the gym and working hard as an athlete to get stronger. It sounds a lot like what the Desert Fathers would have read in today's gospel Hmm. is is Jesus going out into the wilderness like they would in the early church uh, to become spiritual athletes. It's like that's that's the place where spiritual trial and spiritual maturation really happens is stripping away all of the amenities of life and finding yourself like a Spartan, you know, in, in some respects in the wilderness, fending for yourself and strengthening your dependence on, you know, maybe not in the Spartan sense of yourself, but in the Christian sense of dependence on God. Um, and you know, we see Jesus driven to the desert. So that might be a way of getting in at today's readings is, is linking that is how do we fortify our foundations by working out and by strengthening and the time in the desert is a time to do that, you know? Yeah, for sure. And you know, one of the things that really came up as I was reading over these prayer, these, uh, readings was something that really bothers me in the way that we, that we kind of speak about religiosity or, or, you know, dependence on God it's just way, way, way too passive in my estimation. You know, like, let me just trust in the Lord. And we even talked about this a couple of weeks ago with, you know, the Lord will give me the words that I will speak. Like, I don't even have to mm-hmm. worry about preparing in that sense. So I just right. need to sit back, you know, relax and let God do what God does. It's like, okay, I get that. But at the same time, like, Jesus is literally there in the desert doing that. You know, right. like, Moses is saying, let the Lord bring us out of exile, but he's guiding his people, (laughs) trusting in the Lord. Like there's still a lot of action 
that has to be done on the part of the person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think perhaps even what you were getting at earlier with, um, with that foundation, right? There's, there's a way in which we have to act on that, on God's word, Mm -hmm. you know, just saying, oh, well, I trust that the Lord will bring me out of exile or whatever it is that, that we hear in Deuteronomy. Uh, sure, sure. Or, or I trust that the Lord will keep me safe in the in in those desert moments that come up more often than we like to admit in our own lives. Yeah. Um, instead of saying, no, you know what? That's true. But the way that God brings me out of that is by building up uh, the Spirit, right? Like building, giving me that strength to trust in my friends, trust in uh, uh, prayer, trust in the Lord to do to be there with me. Right. You know, I okay, I'm rambling at this point, but I think that my my frustration is that we we see it only as maybe um a good way to put it is it's a very individualistic approach. It's like God will give me the strength to do what I need to do. It's like that's not really true. Yeah, well, <laughs> it is you know true, what, what, but God the strength that God gives me is through the Eucharist, right? Through his son, but also through the yeah. community. Well, I got to tell you, so one of the things that I like about the beginning of Luke's Rant gospel today, over. no, no, but I think that you're onto something. So like there's the collaboration with grace and there's the invitation to strengthening. That's not just like, well, you know, God will be sufficient for me. It's like, well, he gives me the grace to collaborate with his grace, you know, and with his, with his uh, will. What, what I like about the beginning of Luke's gospel is kind of an odd statement is that he was led by the spirit precisely to be tempted by the devil. Like, mm-hmm. is like I'm not ever sure how to read that. Is that like, he was led by the spirit to the desert, and then it just so happens he was being tempted by the devil there, or <laughs> that—that's precisely why he was driven out there is to do spiritual, like, you know, work, battle. you know, there, yeah, to do spiritual battle there. And I think there might be something there for the strengthening of his mission. Like this is the beginning of his pastoral life, you know, mm-hmm. and he's baptized, and then he goes into the desert to strengthen himself for the mission. And I think that there's a beautiful witness there that he's driven out there to do work and what's cool is that you you think about the first reading well it's moses i think at the end of his life seemingly uh reminiscing about things we're in deuteronomy i can't remember where that fits in the in the pentateuch but there's i guess that's the fifth book right the deuteronomy is that right um (laughs) it's towards it's towards the end right i think he's reminiscing about everything that's happened because he's already bringing them into this country they're already at the promised land but he doesn't say what they've gone through they says he brought us out of Egypt and they brought us to this country. But what happened to the 40 years of the desert in the mm-hmm. middle? <laughs> like that's, he just sort of gleans over that. And I think it's important because to go from slavery to freedom, there has to be this period of, of strengthening, this period of testing, this period of desert, you know, this, I don't know. I just think there's kind of well, an interesting gap there. Yeah. You know, but I think that's partly what we don't, I think that's part of what we miss a lot of the time when we read certainly old Testament, but m- most of scripture is like, you know, you're, you're talking about this group of people who, like you said, were lost in the desert for 40 years. And now, uh, and now they're about to cross over that threshold into the promised land. Moses won't join them. Um, but instead of, instead of like saying, oh, well, you know, we did this and we did that and pointing to himself as the leader, it's like, no, the Lord brought us out, which is kind of what I was trying to get at. Like, we're Mm. not, we're not, um, I don't want to just say like that it's up to the person to, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstrap, that kind of thing. Uh, like all of those works are filled with the spirit. All of those things that we do are filled with the spirit. 
as long as I am open to that, open to the life of grace, open to the grace of, of creation, like that's just an, an, yeah, I don't really know how to, how to articulate this very well, but like all of those things that they did was God leading them out of of Egypt. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so how, how do you see that relating to the gospel? Do you, do you see a clear connection there? Well, I think it's the same thing, right? Like, you know, the the uh, the devil is tempting Jesus with things that he already has and he already is. Like, hmm. he doesn't need to do any of that stuff. Uh, and so there's a great, I think there's a great, this is something that I like to talk about quite often. Like, it's not so much that the evil spirit comes and tempts us by things that we'll never be tempted by or even think to be tempted by. Like, I'm not just going to randomly go rob a bank because I want some money, <laughs> you know, but like right. if, if we can be kind of strung along and, and, and teased our way to doing something horrific by kind of these half truths that make it make sense. It's like, okay, well that, that makes more sense, which I think, so going back to what I was going on about with the first reading, it's like the, the evil spirit wants us to only look at my own works as being my mm. own works. And so I think that's what Jesus is actively pointing against. He's like, no, man, yeah. it's not about me doing these things. It's about worshiping the Lord, our God. That's right. And allowing, that's right. And allowing that to, to, to be my motivator, to be my movement. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's actually a really good, like, uh, I think point to be made, given that we're doing Lent now, is that does God even factor into the disciplines that many mm-hmm. of us try to try to do, you know? Or is it my own effort, you know, to prove my my worth and athleticism and conviction? Yeah. Um, or is it, no, it's like, what is God inviting me to, you know? Um, or is it sort of this possession of myself as as having authority, you know, uh, to command stone to become bread? Well, mm-hmm. I, I could command stone to become bread, or in my case, I could command myself to not need coffee in the morning. Or I could command myself, you know, to, to live with a certain kind of freedom from uh, dessert or whatever. And it's like, okay... But is that what is that what actually God is inviting me to, you know, to collaborate with his grace during this time, you know, to work on that firm foundation? Um, or is it just about me? And I think that's kind of the whole point of the temptations is that Jesus realizes and says and confesses that, no, it's not about it's about God. You know, yeah. it's about his relationship with the father. No, I will say um, that I think I do believe that there are ways in which we can use mundane means to achieve extraordinary goals or whatever like you know you want to keep uh you want to keep your expectations reasonably low right so like sometimes all you can do is you know give up chocolate but if you do it properly right knowing why you're doing this and i think this is what you may be getting at by like what is god calling me to well what are what is what's an actionable item how can i actually work on begin the process of achieving that you know it's it it is in no reality that I will free myself from attachment to, you know, things. <laughs> uh, so how can I begin that process? Right, right. No, that's good. That's good. Uh, anything from the second reading? We've kind of uh, jumped past it. I didn't really see a lot of good connection from well, the letter to the Romans. So I'm going to be honest. I have some trauma here. <laughs> With what? With Romans? <laughs> well, with this talk of justification, of salvation, of growing up in the Bible Belt, like yeah. having having arguments with some of my Protestant friends about, you know, what, what St. Paul means about 
sanctification versus rejuvenate. Like, it's like, that. I get that. You know, it's important to know that. But like, when you're preaching, to get into that minutia is not very helpful. Right, right. Um, So so all of that is to say is like, I get get nervous when I look at this. It's like, okay, uh. (laughs) So maybe that's, God is calling me to look at this more seriously and to actually preach from it, but. Yeah, you know, okay, so two, just two quick things. So I think that you're right to kind of like, like wading into these theological uh, waters in a homily is probably too too much, you know? Um, but it could be good if you have a certain like, I don't know, ease with it. Like you could just focus on justification in terms of like getting right with God. Mm-hmm. Like you could focus it on that sort of like layman's terms. And so if you're preaching about Lent, it's like, how do I get right with God? You know, you can put a, a spin on it like that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty cl- for one, uh, for one believes with the heart, and so is justified, and one confesses with the mouth, and so is saved. I mean, that's a great way to talk about the need of confession, to, you know, in this penitential yes. season. Yeah, go to confession. So, believe, yeah, yeah, work on your faith. You know, um, the other thing I was going to say about this letter, though, that I find uh, really beautiful, is, and might be a way of avoiding some of this uh, thorny uh, theology stuff, is for there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. Okay, the same Lord is Lord of all. And then this, this is the line that gets me is the Lord of all enriching all who call upon him. So, mm. you know, he enriches all of those who call upon him mm. and and think about Jesus in the desert uh, calling upon the name of the Lord, you know, every time that he's tempted. And then at the end, you know, the angels will minister to him. Mm-hmm. I don't think in this version they do, but um, we know that in Mark's, I think, version, the angels come and minister to him. So that how the Lord enriches those who call upon him. I find that very beautiful. To think about how, you know, offering to God our needs and desires and our abstinences and our and our sacrifices, like the Lord will enrich us in that, you know, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. with land flowing with milk and honey, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, okay. Here's something we bring up maybe every year. I can't quite remember. Um, do we consider each Sunday of Lent as their own thing or do we think about them all in as a uh, as a continuation as a series as a how do we handle that oh yeah you know I think we we struggled with this I think in year a less because in year a I think we're in year c now but in year a I think the the readings are the scrutiny readings uh towards the end of Lent oh yeah so some people may not even get these and so like this one and the next one, I think, are, are the same. But then the scrutiny readings are like the third, fourth and fifth Sundays. Yeah. And those are awesome. Right. Like those are <laughs> those are the blind Bartimaeus, yeah. I think. Yeah. And then uh, the woman, woman at, at the, the well. well and then Lazarus. Um, and so those are very much taken in a series, you know, thinking about the uh, uh, the the scrutinies. Um, but with these, I don't know. I don't remember what comes next in year C. <laughs> Yeah. I, I mean, I, I bring this up because I really liked what you were talking about at the beginning with looking at Luke chapter six, you know, like you really do need that holistic approach to make all of these different th- things make sense. You need that, that, that point, that last bit to make it all kind of click into place. Right. And right. so I wonder if there's a similar, not necessarily to, to like try to preach all the Sundays every Sunday or to like do a Sunday to where, you know, week two won't make sense if you haven't been to week one. Like, that's not really what I'm, what I'm talking about. Like, how can we use that, that approach, that, that hook that makes all of these like the readings of Lent. 
yeah. to see the lens that we that we go through. I'm trying to look that up right now. Second Sunday is Luke chapter nine, Peter John's oh, the Transfiguration. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, and then third Sunday. So see so we have the, the temptations in the desert, then we have the transfiguration. So we go from desert to mountain. I think I preached on this actually my my year as a deacon. Mm. I did that. I was like, we had the desert, and then we had the mountain, and then third week, it was something else. Parable, fig tree. Yeah. Anyway, no, so it doesn't seem like there's going to be an 15. easy... Yeah, I don't think there'll be an easy thread to to pull through, but, but still, I think that there is... Yeah. There'll be great Lenten themes for sure. Cool, man. Any parting thoughts? (laughs) No, just fast or something. (laughs) Maybe pray. Maybe pray. Maybe pray too. And almsgiving. All right, bud. Yes, I like that. All right, buddy. Till next time. All right, pal.